0: Will you pray with me? Oh God, in the stillness, come meet us. Amen. So one of my most vivid memories of taking communion is when I was in college. And my campus minister uh, at my Wesley Foundation that I was involved in, he had a practice of doing slow-down communion. So rather than, you know, in the church, how often we kind of fall into, like, Row by row, as soon as it's your pews turn, you got to get up and come on down to the front. You know, we weren't sitting in pews. We were college students. We were sitting on the floor. Some of us were laying on the floor. And we were just in this room, right? And our campus minister would extend that invitation. And I remember so vividly um, kind of laying on the floor and looking at the communion elements, which were, of course, upside down, right? Because I was laying upside down on the floor. And um, he always served Hawaiian bread with the grape juice. Oh, if you haven't had that before, it's so delicious, right? And so, you know, I would just, I would lay there thinking, praying, pondering, reflecting on life, right, until my taste buds watered so much that I just, my body couldn't help it. I had to get up and go take the communion bread and dip it into the juice and enjoy the gift of grace. You know, there's so many different um, ways that we receive communion. There are so many different memories that you might also have in your head as you think about that. And there's some history behind this um, celebration today of World Communion Sunday, which is part of our Methodist tradition, but is not just a Methodist tradition. In fact, it was in 1930 when Dr. Hugh Thompson Kerr, was serving as the moderator for the General Assembly in the Presbyterian Church, and he began to dream of this idea of World Communion Sunday. At that time, the church that he was serving, um, Shadyside Presbyterian Church, was very divided. There was a lot of conflict going on in that congregation. They were uh, divided over matters of stewardship, and he was longing for a way to bring not only people in his congregation together, but Christians from all over the world together. To bring Christians together in unity so that they would be inspired, but also to reinforce how important the church of Jesus Christ is and how interconnected one congregation is with another. And so it was in 1933 that he first observed World Communion Sunday in his own congregation. And then by 1940, the National Council of Churches had adopted it and begun promoting it worldwide. And today, on this very day, Christians all over the world will not only celebrate communion, just like we are, but they will also remember that there is more that unites us as Christians than what divides us. You know, I think in this particular day and age, that is a good and holy thing for us to remember. Because we are ever so divided as a people, but also as a church. For Christians, the practice of communion begins with Jesus. We can remember that Jesus was a Jew, and so he was celebrating the Jewish holidays, and he celebrated the Jewish Passover with his disciples. And it was the night before he died, when he was in Jerusalem, that he did something new in this very familiar meal and ritual in the midst of the ritual of the jewish passover he took the unleavened bread he broke it and then he gave it to the disciples and he said that it was his broken body now we can get into this rhythm of saying that as part of the communion liturgy and it doesn't seem surprising at all but in those moments at this meal his disciples would have turned to one another and said what is he doing It's not part of the ritual. We don't normally do that. And then the next thing Jesus did was he took the cup of wine on the table. He gave it to the disciples. He said it was his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. I mean, if the bread wasn't enough of a shock, you can imagine the the things they're whispering to one another after he says this. What? What does he mean? Why is he doing that? I mean their hearts must have quickened right what is what is jesus saying about the work that we've been doing together because in this moment right if they caught it jesus is not only predicting his death but he's also giving them a ritual by which to remember him now the early early christian community they caught on right and they began observing this practice regularly And that's where you get the reading from Acts 2. This captures the story about the early Christian community breaking bread. That not only are they devoted to the apostles' teachings and fellowship, but also to the breaking of bread and prayer. That scripture from Acts talks about how they're all together, right? They sold possessions to give to the poor, they broke bread in their homes, and they eat with glad and sincere hearts. And then by the time of the Apostle Paul, Christians are still breaking bread and they had begun to put some ritual around it, right? They began to tell the story of Jesus with the disciples in the upper room as they did so. There is so much symbolism in this sacred meal that it brings us back to the reason that Dr. Kerr felt that it was appropriate as a Christian practice to bring people together. Despite division, in spite of fear, in spite of difference, of opinion, there are so many ingredients that make up the single loaf, right? And yet it is one loaf. Think about how many grapes were stomped to make that cup of juice. And yet it is one cup. This is the same with the Christian church, that there are so many of us. There are many brands of Christians. There are many theological leanings. Christianity is present in many countries and cultures. It manifests itself in different languages. And because of that, there is a lot that can divide us. And yet together, we make up the one body of Christ, that ultimately we are one with one another. Christianity is a global religion because God is a global God, right? God is not just God here in the United States. God is a global God. And John Scott says it this way, we must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God. That that God's presence doesn't stop at a national border, that God isn't just present here in Wichita, Kansas, or in the United States. God's presence transcends any human division that we have created. You know it reminds me of some experiences that i had when i traveled to peru and some of you may have also had experiences of traveling and meeting christians in other places and some of the things that i remember that were so different for me were were altars and people's homes that look something like that top picture on the left and then they also had a, a practice and a tradition around carrying statues of saints through the streets of the cities and so that's what you see There in the bottom picture, and then all along the roadsides, you would see these small rock altars, rocks stacked one on top of another. And for me, all of these things were new and different, right? And at first, I didn't quite recognize them as Christians. And yet, as I became more familiar and heard the stories and began to get to know the people, it suddenly dawned on me, this is how Christianity is incarnate in this place, in this culture, in this language. And it is good. All of our mainline Christian churches celebrate Holy Communion except for two. The Quakers and also the Salvation Army tradition have a different understanding. The Quakers believe that all of life is sacrament, and so they don't elevate communion as being more sacred than any other experience. For the Salvation Army folks, they don't teach that sacrament is wrong, but they just think it's unnecessary, maybe unhelpful. And yet all of our other Christian denominations celebrate Holy Communion regularly. And yet each of us has a specific theological understanding of what it means. And yet, the practice of it is unifying. For us, as United Methodists, perhaps our strongest understanding of communion is our theology of an open table That we believe it could be the very first place a person experiences the love and grace of God. So there's no requirement to come to the table, right? You don't have to be a member. You don't have to profess belief before coming to the table. You don't have to prescribe to a certain set of doctrines before coming to the table. Communion is served to any and all who are hungry. Any who feels that nudge from the Spirit, who find themselves coming down to be fed. All are welcome at the table. It's not a table of College Hill, UMC. It's not even a table of just the United Methodist Church that we believe it's Jesus' table and that his invitation is to everyone. It is in part because of our commitment to an open table that we use grape juice instead of wine. Because we don't want anyone to be barred from experiencing this grace. Not children, not pregnant women, not a recovering alcoholic. We don't want there to be any reason that would prevent you from coming forward and experiencing God's grace through the cup and the bread. You know, part of the history of this is that uh, Thomas Welch was a United Methodist communion steward way back in the 1860s. This was during the temperance movement, and we know the history around that. There weren't any refrigerators at the time, and so they had a practice of serving the fermented grapes, right, the wine. And yet during the temperance movement, that became problematic for churches. And so Welch, he loved science, and he was determined as a communion steward in his local congregation to find a way to make an unfermented grape drink. And so he experimented, and eventually his process worked. But even when it worked, it didn't take off until many years later when his son did some creative marketing, some of which you see up here on the screen. So eventually, right, the the Methodists, it kind of sealed the deal for them, that they began serving grape juice. And often, we use Welch's because of that tradition and that connection with Thomas Welch, which is how the brand was made, that everyone is welcome at the table. That we believe Holy Communion is a mystery that we can't fully explain, and yet Jesus is present. That it is a mystery in which we are changed, too. And so this Sunday, as we acknowledge that it is a time of great division in our nation, in our world, in our churches, perhaps even in our own hearts, that we know unity is fragile and yet it is important. It is a good time to remember that because of Jesus, we are united. That we join this day with millions of Christians around the world who are taking communion and remembering that we are one. And so what I'm going to invite us to do is to enter into a communion liturgy that's in both English and Korean. And Pastor Lim is going to join me here at the table. And so what I would invite you to, to stand, which is a historic posture that Christians often take as we celebrate the communion liturgy. And as we go through this, um, the entire liturgy will be up on the screen in English. This is our traditional United Methodist liturgy. Um, I will read uh, some of it in English, and Pastor Lim will read and pray some of it in Korean. But again, you have the translation up on the screen. And so the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift up
1: our Lord. Uh, Let us give thanks to the Lord our God.
0: It is right to give our thanks and praise.
1: 하나님께 감사하는 것은 선하고 좋은 일입니다. 전능하신 하나님이 우리를 하나님 형상대로 만드시고 하늘과 땅을 만드셨습니다.
0: When we turned away and our love failed, Your love remained steadfast.
1: 하나님께서 우리를 포로에서 구출해 주시고 선죄를 통과해서 우리와 언약을 맺어 주셨습니다.
0: And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join the unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy holy Lord,
1: God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna Hosanna in
0: the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna 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 in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with
1: sinners. On the
0: night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, he gave thanks to you, and broke the bread gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me
1: 주님께서 또 높이 자리를 드시고 감사 기도 드리신 후에 말씀하셨습니다 이것은 내가 너희로 하여 주는 내 몸이니 이것을 마시고 다시는 죄를 짓지 말라고 말씀하셨습니다
0: And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ
1: has died. Christ has risen, God. Christ will come again. Amen.
0: By your spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly endment
1: 통하여 Amen. 당신의 거룩한 성령님과 함께 모든 영광과 영광이 있을지어다
0: invite those who are serving communion to come forward at this time and you may be seated.